This is Metal Mike, and in this episode of the 80s Glam Metalcast, I talk to a vocal legend from MSG fame and from the new band, Black Swan, Robin McCauley. Robin goes in-depth on the new Black Swan album, Shape the World, and talks about some of his past projects. Check it out. Welcome to the 80s Glam Metalcast, Robin. How you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for calling in, and uh, hope your day's going great. Yes, yes. Well, hey, this Black Swan album, Shake the World, is just amazing. Uh, the internet's buzzing over it. You've got to be excited about the response. Yeah, um, you know, it uh, kind of sideswiped us. We didn't expect so much uh, uh, great positive comments. It's been it's been really cool since we released it on, on Valentine's Day, and it just keeps getting better. Uh, but we're very happy with the record. Um you know, when you start something like this, at, well, at my stage, anyway, you're thinking, uh, well, what are we going to do? And, uh, you know, you end up performing and recording with amazing talents like Jeff, Jeff Pilsen and Red Beach and Matt Starr. And how can you go wrong, Mike, right? Yeah, you can't. <laughs> you know, listening to this <laughs> album, you know, I get kind of go back where I, I like I'm, I feel like I'm back in the 80s and the early 90s where, you know, good songwriting, the melodic hooks. I mean, that was just the way, you know, back in the day. And that's what I'm, I'm getting that vibe right. again. Yeah. Um, you know, when when Jeff called me on this, he'd already spoken to Reb and Reb says, sure, if we can write songs together, but, you know, they'd worked together on a previous Dawkins record. Yes. And... Partner, I just come off the road with, with, with White Snake shows. So he called Reb, and Reb says, Well, if we can write songs, I'm totally in for it. Then he calls me. I've known Jeff. Um, Jeff was actually my best man 27 years ago this October. Okay. <laughs> so, so we go back quite a ways. Um, I was totally up for it. We got together, and, you know, I said, What are they looking for? They being the record company. And uh, he said, yeah, you know, Frontiers loves classic rock, so that's what they want. And we kind of chuckled, and we went, okay, let's give them a classic rock record. And, you know, Shake the World was what came out of it. How does the songwriting uh, on this album shake out? Did you write a lot of the lyrics and the melodies? Yeah, they would send me the music. Uh, you know, uh, very difficult to to schedule everything because, you know, Rev lives in, in Pittsburgh, and Jeff, Matt, and myself, we were, we, we live in LA where we are kind of within a, uh, like a 40 minute radius of each other. So Reb would come to the studio whenever he'd have the time. And, uh, likewise with Jeff, Jeff's to home studio, which was, which was awesome. Um, and they would start, you know, uh, woodshedding, send me some ideas and, uh, Wherever I was, I work a Vegas show night uh, five nights a week, uh, a show called Rating the Rockfall, going into our seventh year with almost like 1,500 shows under our belt. Nice. Um, and I'd start working on melodies and lyrics. I'd come back to Jeff, see when he was going to be home. We would do a little pre-production, change a word here, change a whole section there. And I'd go, I don't like this part, but that part. Switch it around, and I'd step up to the mic. And we'd record a song every time I'd be there. That's kind of how we accumulated everything and then sifted through to see what we had. So there was a couple of songs like uh, The Rock That Rolled Away. Jeff basically came through with that idea as he did with uh, Divided United, which was very influenced by him watching uh, 
Bohemian Rhapsody, the, the Queen movie, and he was so taken by it, he came straight back to the to his house, sat at the piano, and started writing that. And uh, he sent it. He was sending me MP3s at like midnight or something. He was so excited about it. And, Do you like it? Do you like it? And I go, dude, I'm half asleep. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And I'd call him the next morning, and I went over and you know put my take on it. Um, and but the song kind of remained the same, basically from from his initial idea. And uh, it was a real great uh, collaborative process. You know, we all know what we're capable of doing, and, you know, it, there was no egos involved, no, no, I don't like that, it has to be my way. That doesn't make for a band, you know. No. So, um, yeah, it, the results are great. It, it's uh, the collaborative, collaborative uh, effort really shows in the strength of the writing, and, you know, we all come from different places, but there's a great cohesiveness on the Black Swan record that, that I particularly like. Probably the best thing I've ever done, as I've told many people. Yeah, and what's cool about it is, like you said, it has its own sound, but you can hear elements of the previous bands you guys have been in kind of creep in, and for a fan, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, well, it's, it's hard to, to deny that because, you know, of what we've all done, and and we are who we are at the end of the day. You know, if I write with Michael Schenker, you're going to get what, what what it is that I do, the same as with Jeff Pilsen, you know, if he's producing a foreign record or he's doing a Dawkins record, you're going to hear Jeff Pilsen as you do with, with Reb and Winger. Um, I think what's really cool about this is that Reb really came through, he just, he came through the thunderstorm of this. I mean, he is just, he's, he's, he's everything. He just, he got nasty on this record, and it's really Red Beach. Just he's killing it. It's just incredible. In fact, most people say I haven't heard Red really come into his own so much as he has on this, and and I, I agree. I think I mean he's a phenomenal player. His depth of, of melody is just is just awesome, and um, he just he just brought it. It's just killer. Same with Matt Starr. You know, it was kind of asked backwards with with how we did the drums because. You know, Jeff initially didn't want to play bass, and so Reb and I had other ideas about that, um, <laughs> so thankfully. And then Jeff also had, you know, a bunch of drummers that he thought would fit the mold. And by the time we got through writing the material, um, again because of scheduling, those drummers were no longer available. And so the label said, what about Matt Starr? And I had worked the Vegas show with Matt, because Matt's one of our, our, our swing drummers, um, and I'd done some events with him in Hollywood. He's also an amazing singer, which not a lot of people know, okay. um, and he really is. So Matt came in, and he absolutely brought the thunder on this. I mean, he just brought so many ideas in, slammed it down. The, the songs were already written, and Jeff and him worked together, and... Um, because we had a drum machine as like a guide for the tracks and he came in and he just he slaughtered it. It's just, it's awesome. Huge drum sound. Definitely. Again, thanks to Jeff's production. He really brought, he brought it, he brought the game as they say. Yeah, the production is incredible on it. And when you think of some of the songs, like I know I actually, I think the whole album sounds great, but do you have some favorites that kind of stand out? Do you have a couple of favorite songs on there? Um, you know, there was a couple of songs that, that, uh, meant different things, you know, uh, when Johnny Comes Marching was, was, was close to home because I was actually in Europe 
with Shankerfest, um, when that massacre took place, not 25 minutes from my front door here in California. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my sons had been there the week before, and he had a, a bunch of his colleagues' buddies there on, this, on that night. And uh, when I read the headlines, and you know, you're miles away, and, and you know, you can't be home to support. Um, when that music came in from Jeff and Reb, they had, they had ideas to take it a different direction, and I kept hearing uh, this idea. And so I came back to Jeff, and I told him, you know, I need, I need it to be like this, and, you know, put the marching drums on it. And it's basically like, you know, our servicemen and women who come back home from, from uh, those god-awful wars that we fight, you know, mm-hmm. not properly acclimated, not counseled. And uh, the rest we know because it's all too prevalent, you know, the news these days. Um, and so that's where that whole idea came from. Uh, by contrast, of course, you know, Immortal Souls, when they sent me a piece of music to get ideas going on that one, I kept hearing this howling wolf at the beginning of the, of the, of the, of the guitar riff. So I came back to Jeff with this whole idea about vampires because I, <laughs> I love vampire movies. And I went, dude, it's so cool how Reb, how Reb got that sort of howling wolf at the beginning of the song. And he goes, how much coffee have you had this morning? Because there's no howling wolf at the beginning of that song. And I went, no, no, there is. Listen, <laughs> there it is. You know? So it was that kind of a thing. Uh, and by contrast, yet again, the very first idea that they sent to me just to see how this whole thing would fly, I came to the studio uh, when Reb and Jeff were there together, and I said, hey, guys, you want to you hear what I got for this? So I start singing it down, and it was, uh, it was the very first song we wrote. Was, it was a big disaster. And Reb starts laughing, and he goes, you know, dude, this is the first time we've actually worked together on, on, on any kind of project, and you come in with a lyric, and it's titled Big Disaster. He goes, where, where is it going to go from here? <laughs> <laughs> and that was kind of the mood, you know. It was like I went, don't rely on me to come up with ideas that you think I'm going to come up, because it's, it's not going to be like that at all. And so we let it fly, and, and you know, it turned, out, it turned out great, you know. Yeah, I love all those too. And uh, one that really catches my ears is the melody. Uh, is she's on to us, and and it's just a funny. It's kind of a funny song too. Yeah, you know, um, um, that's actually yeah, based on a on a real life good friend of mine, um, and it's a real easy story because it was you know it was something that that uh, she had been talking to us about, and she she this person is actually a, a private investigator. And who got married? Okay. And her uh, glorious husband thinks that he can cheat on her without <laughs> she actually finding out. <laughs> Bad move. And it's kind of based around. Yes, really. What a dumb shit. So it's <laughs> so it's based around that whole thing. And she goes, "You can't write about this." And I goes, "Well, there's no name is mentioned, you know, but I'm going to use this whole uh, this whole uh, circumstance to uh, <laughs> to treat my lyrics as such." And, um, yeah, it's actually based around something that actually happened. So, oh, wow. um, I had plenty of information to feed off <laughs> before she's on to us, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. 
But you know what? With yeah. a lot of times with music and lyrics too, it's subjective, right? Just like when you said you heard well, the howling wolf that wasn't there. Absolutely. It can mean yeah. several different things for several different people. So, and, and that's how I kind of structure the lyrics. So it's like, it could be you, it could be about your cat, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I remember I watched an interview with Freddie Mercury one time, and I, I don't know, they were asking about a certain song, and he goes, you know, sometimes Speaking I just... Speaking of cats, right? Because he loved his cats. Yeah, that's right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and he, you know, he said, uh, sometimes it's good just to keep it vague and let the listener figure out what the story is, is in their own head. You know what I mean? Don't don't get too specific. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I remember back in, in the Shanker days, when Anytime was, uh, was, was getting a lot of radio play, we would do all of these interviews... And uh, I remember one day this uh, female journalist who shall remain nameless, and she started talking to me, and suddenly she she broke down. I mean, she was she was crying uncontrollably, and she goes, "You have no idea what that song did to my life." And I'm going, "Shit, I should run outside and shoot myself right now," you know, because <laughs> because you know the power of the pen, Mike. You yep. know, yeah, you're right. And, and sometimes you don't really, you can't know. You can't know what it is that you're putting down there, you know, and, and you're you're absolutely right. It, it's all very subjective because, uh, you know, what means to one person means completely different to somebody else. So I, I suppose that's good because you, know, <laughs> you cover all your bases, I guess. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I, I know that it's going to be tough for you guys to do some live shows uh, because of your schedules right. and everything. But if if you were to right. do any, is the plan to play songs from the album, but maybe integrate some songs from uh, the various groups you're involved with? That's a great question. Uh, um, I did an interview together with Jeff, and, and we were asked the same question. And I, I guess that would have to be the case, simply because um, unless we, we found the time to get together and write another album's worth of material, we just wouldn't have enough material sure. to to pad to pad out a set. So I'm sure that um, you'd get something from all of us, uh, previous bands, and and who knows what else thrown in for it. You know, um, yeah, I think it would have to be, uh, but it would be an interesting set. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yes, yes, would be the answer to that. Of course, you know, we, we'd have to pad it out somehow. And, and with, with something that we know that, uh, I hate to use this word fans, but something that the fans would be uh, eager to listen to, sure. you know. So I, I'm, not, I'm not too much for playing for myself, you know. It's, it's, it has to be a purpose to it. So, um, yeah, it'd be fun. I mean, when we go out with Shanker, um, FYI, you know, we just have to pull the plug on, on Japan. I'm supposed to be in Japan right now, uh, leaving March 6th, but... Because of this damn virus, um, you know, we, we, we had the, the plug pulled on that one, as did Whitesnake. So I should call Reb because I know he's home. Yeah, right. <laughs> speaking, yeah. speaking of opportunity, right, I don't think Pilsen's home, but <laughs> 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 so we might get time for something. I don't know. Um, yeah, with, with, with Shanker, of course, and, and now with four singers for Shanker Fest, you know, we have, we have very different phases with, with each singer. And then, of course, you know, we always have uh, a whole section dedicated to, to UFO. So it's, a, it's an absolute blast because, you know, the show is like two and a half hours long. But you, you get to cover a lot of material. So, you know, with Black Swan going out on, on any kind of a, a, 
a tour or IE set of dates, we'd have a we'd have a a lot at our disposal to you know to choose from. Let me pick your brain even further. So, if you had your choice, your your opportunity to put your own spin on like a Dawkins song or a Winger song, any come to mind that you'd like to do? Oh God, I haven't even thought about it. <laughs> oh, I, I don't I don't know. I I, I think Red would probably be the one that would pick would pick. Would pick it, you know. Jeff's already been going. Oh, dude, you'd kill this White Snake song. And I'm going. You know what? I wouldn't do any of that shit. I'd be doing probably early faces material. That's what I'd be doing. <laughs> that's the way. That's the way I want to go because that would be my personal favorite. I would stay away from everything. You know, I was a big, big early faces fan, and it's just sleazy, thrashy rock and roll, and it's got an edge to it. So, but that that would be my personal favorite. You know. The hell with those other guys. I don't care what the pick. They can sing it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Well, speaking of singing, um, I mean, I think everybody is noticing the killer sound of your voice, how intact your voice is. Um, I mean, are you blessed or what? What's going on? No, I'm definitely blessed. Um, Everybody goes, what's the secret? And I'm going, I don't don't have a secret. Um, there, There are... A number of criteria that's that's uh, very important to me. First one is 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 the responsibility of of just that singing. Uh, as long as I uh, intend to go forward singing, I have a responsibility to make sure that I at least sound good. Um, there's a lot of singers, um, unfortunately, continue to do it, and and it's it's. I hate to use this word, but it's a little undignified some of the times. And it's like, ah, you know. Um, but there's a lot to do with, with how you take care of that responsibility. You know, I, I I work Vegas. I sing five nights a week. have done for going into my seventh year, you know, with almost 1,500 shows. So that's a lot of, that's a lot of singing. It's a lot of exercise. Um and I, I stay away from the casinos when I don't have to be there. Right. You know, I've, I've never smoked in my life. So to me, that's very, very important. Um, I, I enjoy, absolutely enjoy a glass and have been known to be a bottle or two of wine, but never when I'm working. I mm-hmm. just don't do it when I'm working. It just doesn't work for me like that. Um, and when you have, you know, a show and producers walking the floor watching the show night after night to a completely new audience. That audience wants to see that show right on the money, night after night. They don't need to hear excuses, blah, blah, blah. So as a singer, I feel I have a responsibility to to do the best that I can do. Um, and I take great care of my instrument. It's, it's all I have. And, um, you know, one day it won't be there. And I, I, I hope I have the sense to... Uh, to exit stage left and know when the right time to do that is. So that's, that's and I'm Irish and I'm very proud, so I would hate for people to tell me that I sound like shit, you know. <laughs> I'm sure they do and I just can't hear it. No. That's, that's... <laughs> <laughs> you know what's hard, so, you know, when you, you think know, about... I'm, um... I'm partially deaf. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> and I think when you play yeah, live... Sorry. 
when you play live, I mean, so a lot of times you can crank up the volume and the instruments and, and maybe you could drown out a weakness in your voice. But when you're in the studio, I think it's pretty obvious. Like if, if it, if you don't have it, I mean, there, I know there's technology, but if it's not there, it's pretty right. obvious in the studio. Yeah. Um, um, I'm going to refer back to, to the Michael Schenker days. Um, something that we used to, um, always, always talk to each other about was, um, if you're very, if you're familiar with how Michael Schenker plays and how he performs live, um, if there's a solo that you absolutely are to die for on any record that he's ever recorded, I can guarantee you that you will hear that solo live, just mm-hmm. like he played it in the studio. And he might put some add-ons, but you will get the bulk of that studio exact uh, solo, just like he played it on the record, and and. The same goes for my singing. I never want to record something that I'm not capable of pulling off live because I know that when I go to see a band live, it's really important for me, especially if I like the band and I like the songs, I feel cheated if, if I don't hear if I don't hear that song it's like I like it. Um, and I expect the same from myself. Um, yes, when you go live, it's good to you know, stretch it a little bit and do all of that. But the the the, the hook line, the, the the foundation of the song, it's, I think it's important to keep it. So that's just something that, that, that I do. And when we did Black Swan, you know, if we go live, you'll hear it like the record. There'll, there'll be there'll be no messing around. There's no trickery. It's just uh it's just how it went down, you know? And and that's the cool thing about it. We Again, uh, that sounds a little cantankerous. It's not meant to be. Um, no, no trickery. I'm just, uh, I'm just lucky. And uh, plus the fact, very important, I write melodies that suit what I'm capable of doing. And that's also very important to me. So I'm not going to start writing something. I'm going, ah, I'll make this work in the studio, but I can never do it live. Mm-hmm. I don't do that. It's like, I'm going to do it this way because it's comfortable. It's, it's in my range. And I, I, I can powerhouse it to, to my ability uh, so that I can do it live. And, and that's really as simple as that. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> we touched on MSG. Um, do you have a favorite album that you worked on with Michael? Oh, God. Um, you know, unfortunately, for the time that we spent together under the Macaulay Schenker period, we didn't really do enough. Of, you know, three albums in six, seven years wasn't exactly a stretch, you know. Um, Perfect timing, a lot of people go, it's one of their favorites. I I did not like the production on that. Michael didn't like the production on it. It just just didn't do what we thought it was going to do. Um, We fixed that on on Save Yourself. Save Yourself is probably my favorite uh, um, in terms of production um, for what we wanted it to sound like. And then the last one, of course, ironically, Jeff Pilson was on the very last studio, mm-hmm. Macaulay Schenker record, the MSG record, together with uh, James Kotak, you know, who ended up with the Scorpions. There's another strange irony, you know. I know, right? With, with Michael and Rudolph, right? Yes. Um, everything's always meant to happen. And, you know, Jeff and, and, and uh, James were very good friends of mine, and we'd, we'd, we'd hang most weeks in Hollywood and that sort of stuff. And when Michael came to me and he goes... Um, uh, I'm, I'm thinking maybe because we're we're here in the states, we should use other people. And um, 
I love the guys that was in the Macaulay Shanker period. In fact, it's again ironic that Steve Mann is is uh, permanently in in uh, Shankerfest, our keyboard player, guitar player, okay. as is Bodo Schaff since we lost poor Ted McKenna uh, last year. Um, so now we have two Macaulay Shanker, which Michael was a little uh, skeptical about because you know he didn't Shankerfest is not Macaulay Shanker, it, but it just so happens that you know. They're great players, and you can't ignore that. And they're very familiar with the material, so not 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 too much uh, uh, unobvious. That's not a proper word, but but you know what I mean. It it was it was the way to go for that. Yeah, save yourself. I think is out of out of the three is is probably my favorite. I mean, Andy Cam was on there as, a, as as our first big intro into the charts, although. You know, there was there were other singles that that saw the light of day with with MTV, and then of course the very last studio one when we had uh, a great ballad with uh, "When I'm Gone" that I co-wrote with uh, with Jesse Holmes, who was uh, Sammy Hager's keyboard player. Oh, nice. You know, we submitted that record to the label, and they're going, "We don't hear the single." <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, we we were always we were always molded to come up with the damn with the damn radio-friendly song because, you know, if you didn't have it, you didn't get the tour, and blah, blah. It was just like, you know, you had to fall into this trap of where they put you in a bag and, and all that sort of stuff. Thank God all of that's gone. Yeah. You know, now we just, we, we write how we please, you know. I'm surprised that Save Yourself wasn't even a bigger album because when I think of songs like I Am Your Radio, What We Need, those right. are big rock songs. Those are awesome songs. Yeah, um, I don't know what to tell you on that one either. You know, a lot of people go, Embassy should have been so much bigger. But, you know, we were, we did what we did. You know, a lot to do with the people around you and all of that sort of stuff. You know, everything happens for a reason. I, I always see the positive side of stuff, you know. And here we are today, 30-something years onwards. And, uh, you know, happy campers. We're still talking <laughs> we're still about doing it. it. <laughs> we're still doing it. So, so. You know, um, yeah, it's all good. It's all good, Mike. Now, when I, I I've listened to some interviews and you talk about kind of how you hooked up with Michael and how he was after, he wanted to get you in the band and you kind of blew him off and then Rudolph recommended you and then you know things kind of came together. So it sounds like in the past there was a good relationship with Michael and Rudolph and we all know currently there's just not much <laughs> of a relationship there. I mean, were they in good on good terms when you were in the band? What happened there? They were always on great terms, and I'm not even sure, uh, from the insider, I'm not even sure that they're still not. Okay. You know, there's a, you have to take a lot of tongue-in-cheek with stuff, because, you know, when Michael steps up to the mic these days, you know, he never used to speak. Okay. He would never talk on stage, he'd say nothing, he wouldn't introduce a song, he wouldn't do anything, because he would always say to me, my job is to play guitar, you do the talking. And I'm not a big talker on stage, I don't really like all of that sort of stuff. Right. You know, my job is singing. I'm not a comedian. I have no funny <laughs> jokes to tell you. You know, I can't make it up and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I'm there for the entertainment value. And that's really important to me. That has to be entertaining. Because if I go to a show, I entertain me. Don't don't just go, you know, whatever that comes to you because you think it's funny. Because I don't think it's funny. Um, and Michael goes on a bit. And he has done for the last couple of tours, you know, his whole relationship with Rudolph. Um, but there's a little thing that people forget that he always sticks in, you know. I wrote this song, 
and Rudolph asked me for this song, and I said, okay, Rudolph, you can have this song. Am I a good brother or what? And everybody laughs, and it's a great time. But, uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of, of tongue-in-cheek, you know, it's, it's you know, it's always good to have a little... Of course, I may be saying the wrong thing here. I should be telling you, they absolutely hate each other, because that makes, <laughs> that makes a better headline than to say, no, they absolutely love each other, of course, you know, so, so then you fall foul to the game, you know? <laughs> That's how you get on Blabbermouth and all these websites, Robin, you know? Of course, dude. Of course, you know, it's like, what, was I born yesterday? You know, they, don't know, they absolutely... You take a quote from Robin McCauley. He absolutely hates his brother. There you have it. Got it. That'll, that'll make the headlines. <laughs> <laughs> you should never... There's an old saying, you know, you should never get involved with family squibbles. So yeah. I, take, uh, I take the fifth, right? <laughs> I don't blame you. Um, what was it like yeah. being in Survivor? I mean, you got to play all those uh, killer songs. Yeah. Oh, man, what a great catalog of great material. Um, you know, uh, not unlike Michael Schenker, I refused to join Survivor back in 94. I had an opportunity. Uh, Frankie Sullivan and I wrote uh, a whole bunch of tunes that became a solo record for me called Business as Usual. Um, Frankie said I should join Survivor. I said, Survivor is a pop band. I don't need to join Survivor. And he went, hey. And he goes, no, it is a rock band. I goes, no, it is not a rock band. <laughs> <laughs> so we would have this, you know, backwards and forwards. And uh, about four years after that initial working together, I got all of these emails from Frankie going, you know, you're ready to do it now, and blah, blah, blah. And my line always was, Call Jimmy, get Jimmy back in the band right. and stop all of this other stuff that was going on. And, you know, after five or six years with me and Survivor, that actually happened where they brought back in uh, Dave Bickler and Jimmy together. And, okay. of course, Jimmy barely lasted the year before before he passed, which was shocking mm -hmm. because he was a tremendous, a tremendous singer, a lovely person, a lovely man, just uh, great songwriting. And, um, yeah, I enjoyed my time in there. Um, I didn't really feel I fitted the part. It wasn't something that I wanted to do. Frankie wanted me to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I did it, and I had a great time. And uh, I had an opportunity to, to sing those just awesome songs, uh, whether people loved it or hated it, you know. Um, I tried to... I tried to keep the integrity of the songs um, as as my voice would treat them. Uh, because, you know, when you go out to see a Survivor concert, people go, he doesn't sound anything like Jimmy Jamison or Dave Pickler. I mean, just to add to that, I remember doing a meet and greet one night, and I'm standing beside Frankie in a whole line of people, and this couple came up and deadpan said to me, oh, you're not wearing your beret tonight? <laughs> and Frankie goes, no, sometimes he doesn't. Now, here's a guy and his wife that are purportedly huge Survivor fans and can't tell me from a stone in the ground. Right. Right? So that's kind of what you're confronted with. Like, listen to the, if you're going to listen to the music, be a fan, love it, but, but at least know who's singing it, you know, or playing it, or the, the drummer is. Yeah. And, and often that, Really is the case to go, dude, I love your work with, uh, what was his name? I can't remember his name. <laughs> <laughs> You're a big fan then, you right? <laughs> know? 
right? And, and it and it happens, and, and 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 it's like you know, if you're up there, what are you supposed to say? Oh no, let me let me let me walk you through this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm not being I'm not being facetious, but it's it's true. It happens sometimes. My time with the Vikings was I had a, I had a blast. You know, when when it was over, it was time to be over, if not yep. sooner. You know. Um, I'm in a great place. I love I love everything I've done. I've been very, very, very fortunate to have uh, had the opportunity to walk out on stage with with all of the people that I've had the opportunity to do. You know, I recently we did a show with, with uh, Tony Franklin came into Radio the Rock Vault, and I've known Tony for years, and he's just you know he's he's just an amazing bass player and. You know, Tony Franklin played with the ba- with the, with the firm for God's sake. Yep. Yeah, he's played a lot <laughs> right? of people. Right. So, um, you know, I'm in, still in awe of people like that. You know, and uh, it's just a, it's a great, it's a great ride. It really is. I mean, what an opportunity. I'm an Irish lad. You know, I came from nothing, and I get to to strut my stuff with all of these with these great players. I mean, what a dream come true. It's awesome. Well, in closing, Robin, what do you want to say to the fans that have followed you for all these years? Oh, my God. Um, you know, um, thank you for listening to the Black Swan record. Um, we're absolutely uh, stoked at the reaction that we've had to this record. Um, absolutely 100% sincerely hope that we can come and play uh, in front of you live with this and that you come and check it out. And uh, if you don't catch me with Black Swan, maybe with Schenker Fest somewhere along the line this year. Um, stay safe, stay well, and uh, keep listening. Awesome. And shake the world. Let's do it together. <laughs> Thanks for the conversation, Robin. You are very welcome, Mike. Thank you so much for your time. Take care. What an awesome interview with Robin. That guy is a riot. Well, hey, we're all laying low here because of the crisis. I'll keep pumping out the episodes, and I hope you all stay safe, stay healthy, rock on!